You know, I actually get more nervous doing that than anything else. Because I can't control that crowd. I, I, I don't know what they're going to say. So I finished praying, and one of the kids said, finally. <laughs> finally, we get to go. We get to escape. You never feel like that, do you? On a Sunday morning. <clears throat> you know, I thought about preaching in sunglasses today. I've never, actually never done that. It would be so cool. <laughs> Okay, we'll not, we'll not try that. Um, <clears throat> we're starting a new series today. And uh, by the way, I'm very happy to be back. Um, I was gone longer than I expected. We had a family emergency. Um, and uh, we went to Austin, Texas. We have a little granddaughter who was born a few weeks ago. And uh, um, immediately uh, we heard that there was uh, a problem. And they do a lot of genetic testing now. And the problem has to do with, uh, and it hasn't been confirmed. That's what's very difficult, is we have a preliminary indication of a problem that relates to the inability to metabolize food and protein in particular. And uh, if, in fact, this is the case, we will have to uh, put this little girl on a very restrictive diet. She'll have her own personal dietitian. She'll have her own, you know, genetic um, biomolecular doctor, what, I'm not saying that quite right, um, and she'll need a lot of special care, and uh, if, if, if in fact this is confirmed, that will need to happen, and if that happens, um, and if they're very, very careful, you know, she can avoid, I hope, we hope, we pray, most of the problems, but we don't know if that's reality yet. I don't know if you've ever lived in that kind of uncertainty, but it's very, very difficult. We went out, Nancy and I went out, uh, um, Nancy was already there, she was there for the birth, and I wasn't planning to go at this time, but I decided to. My son requested that I come out, and, and so I was there, and they asked me to stay over even longer through a Sunday when I was going to come back home. And you know what? When my son calls, I can't say no, and uh, um, so I needed to, I needed to be there. I, I certainly missed being here, but that's where I needed to be. So if you continue to pray for little Natalie, we're hoping that one of these days we're going to get the answers that we're... Uh, we've been waiting for and the answers we've been praying about and that we'll have the strength to, uh, to go through this, whatever it is. And life is like that. You don't always get a certain answer. You don't get it always in a timely fashion. And when you get it, sometimes it seems a bit uh, uh, um, overwhelming. But uh, that's when our faith is once again tested. So... Um, We're starting a new series today. It's a series on spiritual maturity. I don't know if that um, is of interest to you. When you think about growing up in your faith, is that something you're doing? Is that something you want to do? Is that something you're committed to? Do you want to learn more about it? Um, I I, I would, uh, would hazard a guess that that would be of great interest to many of us, most of us, maybe even all of us here. Wherever you are, and you can be anywhere on this journey. Um, we're not talking about where you are. We're talking about where you're going. Um, we're never judged based on where we are at the moment. You might be nowhere. You might be relatively clueless. You might be overwhelmed with doubt. And uh, God, our God, our loving God, takes us at that point. He won't leave us there. Um, he has a plan. He has a purpose. But he's moving us somewhere. You've been a Christian a long time. You're on a growth spurt. 
Um, that's a wonderful thing, and uh, you don't get to stay where you are today, and why would you want to? Because there's miles and miles to go, and there's so much more to experience, um, so much more fulfillment that God has in mind for you. So we're, we're doing this series, and I believe there are five foundations. There might be more that we can think about, but as I've thought about um, what spiritual maturity looks like, I've thought of five foundations. And today we're going to look at the first one, and the first one is the foundation of the foundations. And that's intimacy with God. And in a sense, that's what I was talking about with the kids as they came forward. And sometimes people will tell me after a children's sermon that somebody else delivered um, you know, before the, the main message, and they'll say, I got much more out of the children's sermon. I was listening much more carefully. It seemed simpler and clearer to me. And uh, that's okay. That's, that's good. Because what could be more simple or more profound than the recognition of God's amazing love, which we barely pay attention to most of the time. We're distracted by so many things, and our thinking is often very superficial. But to really grab a hold of that really is foundational. It really is the beginning of this journey. So I want to talk about that. And if, uh, if you have a Bible with you, we don't have a screen today to put things up on the screen. So I'm going to do some reading uh, occasionally. But uh, from Colossians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, who is so much interested in building up the body of Christ and growing individual followers of Christ. And here's the way he put it. This is his ambition to, uh, to rise up spiritually mature men and women. And so in uh, Colossians chapter 1, he puts it this way. He says, We proclaim Christ, the end of chapter 1, We proclaim Christ, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. And I hope that happens to some degree this morning. So that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Perfect means complete, it means fulfilled, it means mature, it means you have become the person God designed you to be. And that's always a process, it's always a becoming that person, a growing into that person. So that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, Paul says, struggling with all his energy. This is a supernatural enterprise. which so powerfully works in me. Paul is not modest about talking about this power that we can tap into and we can actually encourage, admonish, um, and and, uh, work with each other, partner with each other, spend time with each other, moving each other further ahead on this journey. We actually can do that for each other with all his energy which works so powerfully in me. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you Is anybody struggling for you, by the way? Is there somebody in your life who struggles for you in a a way that that, uh, advances you, that grows you, that challenges you? Is there anybody who's investing in you in that way? That's what church is supposed to be, by the way. That's why it can't simply be something we observe or something we spectate. It's something we do. It's something we do for each other, and there's a powerful reason. I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. I mean, Paul is so invested. It goes beyond just his inner circle. It's not a click thing. 
It's bigger than that. The next person you meet, a person you might meet today for the first time, may be a person you choose to invest in or they in you. If that happens, we're doing church. That's what church is supposed to be. That's what community is all about. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I hope that whets your appetite. That's something you want. That's something you long for. Something you're willing to invest in. And it's not just about you. It's about us. It's about a community. And it's about those that we have not yet met. Five foundations. The first is intimacy with God. We're actually going to spend two weeks on each of these five. That adds up to, let's see, two times five? Ten. That's ten weeks. And we're going to spend two weeks on each one of these because... In the first week is kind of an introduction to this. What is intimacy with God? And then secondly, you and I need to process this. Um, and there's going to be some homework, some opportunity to actually take this and go with this and grow with this as we, uh, as we continue. So let's start with that first word. I don't even know if we can get by it. Intimacy. It's a little scary. I mean, it's... It, first of all, raises up, I think, some longing in us because we were designed for that, to be close in relationship. In relationship with other people, in relationship with God, that sounds a bit uh, preposterous. I mean, God, intimacy with God, that's a loaded phrase. But just intimacy all by itself brings up a longing in us, sends us on a search For intimacy, we do that individually, we do that socially, we do that emotionally. We're looking for closeness, and then at some point it leads to a kind of confusion and even a sort of terror. And I think all of us would admit that because to be in an intimate relationship necessarily involves vulnerability. If I'm going to sit at a table with you, And we're going to have an intimate relationship. One of us has to put our heart out on the table. We have to show up. And we have to be willing to be authentically ourselves. The good, the bad, and the ugly is right out there. And the other person, if it's going to be a relationship, has to reciprocate. So it becomes mutual. Now we long for that. To have a heart knit together with someone else. Someone else who truly loves us and we truly love them. We'll talk about God in a moment because we know it, first of all, on a human level. But we get a little bit lost because along the way our hearts get banged up and we end up bleeding. And sometimes we end up hemorrhaging. And it didn't work. And we're confused and we're afraid and we're ashamed. And we, uh, <clears throat> we may give up. And some of you may have given up on the possibility of an intimate relationship. And so we begin to guard our hearts. We begin to encase our hearts. We build up walls. We do it with God. We do it with each other. Perhaps you've had an experience that you would call disappointment with God. I thought he was going to do this. I thought this child was a perfect child. It turns out this child has a defect. 
How could a loving God allow that to happen? Those are questions that occur to us. And so we, we pull back. This past week, Nancy and I, my wife and I, were um, in Hawaii. We were on a mission. This was after our trip to Austin. We had already planned this trip. It was with our other daughter, um, our older daughter, and her husband, and their little girl, our two-year-old granddaughter, Simone. And they had asked us to come to Kauai. Kauai. Wow. And uh, babysit for the week. It's a tough gig, but somebody's got to do it. So we were there for, uh, for the week, and then we had a few extra days after they left for ourselves, and uh, we took full advantage of the fact that we had three or four full days in, in Kauai and did uh, these, uh, these activities that you do. And one of them is uh, to ride along the Nepali coast. Anybody done that? Okay. Hope you get a chance at some point. It is um, one of the most beautiful spots on this, uh, on this island, which is, you know, the Garden Island. I mean, it's a paradise. And this is one of the most beautiful rides, and it's just uh, overwhelming. You, you look at it as you're going along on the coast, and there are these steep cliffs, and there are these waterfalls, and there are these sea caves, and the uh, rock formations, and this impossibly blue, blue color of water beneath you. And it's just, uh, it's just amazing. There's, a, there's actually a hike you can take from the end of the road. The road doesn't go all the way around Kauai, the only island where the road doesn't go all the way around. And you can take a hike, and it's an 11-mile hike if you take the whole thing. Well, we took a two-mile version of that one day, and that's, that's as far as we got. But if you, if you, if along the coast, you can watch as you're, as you're gliding by, and you can see where this goes. And it goes to a beach where they filmed, like, Pirates of the Caribbean and, uh, and other, other shows. I think there were some Star Wars scenes that were filmed on this beach. And you think, wow, to, to, to get there would be worth everything. But you look at the hike, and you hear about this trail, especially in this one section, where it's 18 inches wide in this one section, and a couple hundred feet down. And they call it the, tr- the crawling trail for some reason. Because you're going to get down on all fours, and you're going to crawl if you have any fear at all, and why wouldn't you have the fear? And I'm thinking... Everybody wants to get to this beach. They want the experience of this, you know, this ecstatic beach, you know, the, 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 the destination on this side. Everybody wants to get there. Are you willing to walk on the trail to get there? We, of course, we took a shortcut. But, you know, in real life, there really are no shortcuts to joy. To invest in relationships. A relationship with another human being, as complicated as that is. And then to think about a relationship with God, the almighty God, the creator, the one who is above and beyond. A relationship with the one I cannot see, I cannot perceive with my physical vision. That God who is there, that God who is awesome, that God who is judge, that God who can look right through your heart and know everything that is in there, knows you better than you know yourself. I would love to have a relationship if, with that God, if he is in fact the loving God that, that I've heard that he is. I've heard that rumor, that there is something called a gospel that's good news. If he's there, I want to go there, okay? 
You willing to take the hike? You willing to go on the journey? Because it will involve moments of uncertainty, of confusion because of our human limitation, and even moments of fear, as in, I don't know that I'm up for this. This is going to take God's, God's got to cover my risk here because I don't know that I can do this. I mean, it's like a dive off the end of the world into the unknown. What if he isn't there to catch me? What if he lets me fall? And what if he's not even there? What if all of this is just made up? What if it's a fraud? What if he's not the God who's described in Scripture? By the way, we have a whole language form in Scripture around intimacy. I don't know if you've caught it. I know a lot of you have read the Bible, and so you're familiar with it. But do you catch the, the intimacy of the tone? You can be, it begins all the way in, in Genesis. It talks about God walking in the garden in the cool of the day with his creation, with the man and the woman. It talks about, wow, can you imagine that, taking a stroll with God? Hmm. That, that stirs up a longing. It's about the garden, of course, but it's about the company you keep even more than the place where you walk. And then it describes the man and the woman as, as naked and without shame. How's that for intimacy? You can be absolutely yourself. You can think of that physically, emotionally, any way you want to think of that. I can be myself. I can confess everything that's wrong with me. I can talk about my dreams, my longings, my hopes, my fears. And this person absolutely takes me right where I am. It's totally safe. Doesn't that stir up a longing in you? And then something begins to happen. And they stop trusting in the one they've been with. And now they hide. Intimacy is lost. And where do they go? They have to hide. And most of us have gotten very good at hiding out and cloaking ourselves and making sure that no one can find us, especially God, because how could we face him? How could we face him? The language of intimacy. Listen to a few excerpts from the scripture, from Psalm 37. You know this one. I'm just going to read these because this explains and describes and portrays and extends the heart of God. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Could anything be more intimate than that? You choose to delight yourself in him, to focus on him, to take all that he's giving to you and realize that your deepest desires that he put inside of you, he intends to fulfill. We're not talking about the ones that have gone off, gone astray, gone in directions that are actually going to end up hurting you. We're talking about those desires that he has put into your heart, that he's designed you this way, and he intends to fulfill it. He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the new day sun. To be in right relationship, righteousness. The justice of your cause. Aren't there things that just burn in you? And God gives you that conviction. 
And God says, you invest yourself in that. You ask me, I'll let you be a part of that. You can be a part of that cause. You can make a, a huge difference because I've got a plan and a purpose and you can be part of that. And I will fulfill that desire. To be with someone who wants to fulfill your deepest, most righteous desires. And of course, only God ultimately can be that person. And we get off track if we invest all of this need that we have in other human beings who can't possibly rise to that occasion, can't possibly rise to that demand. Only God can be God. And so we have this language in Scripture from Psalm 100. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who has made us, and we are His. Okay, that sounds kind of objective. That's kind of a statement. But now listen to this. We are His people, the sheep of his pasture, the whole shepherd imagery, a shepherd tenderly caring for sheep, for lambs. Intimacy written all over it. Somebody, as a little kid said a minute ago, I can't even improve upon that, we love God and God shows his love to us by caring for us. He just takes care of us. What if you could relax into that? A few years ago I was part of an experience and we were all asked to, to write down our, our, our life mission. I'd never done that before, and so I, I thought about my life mission. Whatever it is I think I'm going to accomplish, I, I can't do it unless I'm secure in this relationship. That, that's why this, this intimacy with God is foundational for me like it's, like it's true for anybody else. And so I remember writing a phrase, something like this, relaxing into the arms of God. I don't relax easily. I'm an ADD type of person. I'm a high-energy guy. I'm a can-do, let's fix it, let's go after it, let's make it happen, let's get there. I love speed. I have a need for speed. All of this works against my ability to relax into his love, to experience intimacy with God. But I'm encouraged to do that because the Lord is my shepherd, and he's going to take care of everything that I need. I will not want, I will not lack anything that I truly need. You are his person. You are his man, his woman. You are in his fold. That's his attitude towards you. That's how he looks at you. He's looking at those who have responded by faith, saying, yes, you are that to me. Yes, I receive that love. Yes, I take the gift that you offer me. Yes, I want this relationship. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in this brand new place. Are you ready to go there? Are you willing to relax back into his arms, into his love? Are you? I know you're performance-oriented. I know you're young. I know you've got professional ambition. I know you're highly educated. I know you have to prove yourself every day in so many ways to so many people. And you're never quite there, are you? And that's the way it is as we're run around in this world, as we're racing around in this world, to find a relationship that's foundational where we can relax back into his love. Jeremiah 31. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Has anybody ever said that to you? If they do, they're lying, by the way. (laughs) 
everlasting, never-ending? No, because their love had a beginning. Even the person who loves you today, their love had a beginning. And their love has a parenthesis occasionally in it. Yes, I'm talking about the person sitting next to you right now that says they love you and will always love you. And their love at its best is a pale reflection of this statement. Hopefully inspired by this because we get our capacity to love from being loved like this. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. I will build you up again and you will, you will be rebuilt, O virgin Israel. You can be a virgin again. You can start again. You can be innocent like a little child receiving my love. Even though you've been hurt before. Even though you've even walked away from me. We can start all over again. That's what his love empowers us to do. You will take up tambourines and go out to dance with the joyful. You will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. And then he says, it seems like they're determined to walk away from me. But because I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my firstborn son, I will pursue him. God pursues you. It's not even enough that he extends himself and offers this love affair to us, this intimacy. He won't take no for an answer. He keeps coming after us. All of us have said no to God at one time or another. It's a good thing he didn't take that as your final answer. God is long-suffering. He is patient. He is coming after you. He is in pursuit. He sees you as a son, as a daughter, perhaps a lost son or a lost daughter, or a distracted son or a distracted daughter. But he sees you, and he hasn't forgotten about you, and he knows your name. He made you, and he has an intention for you. And it's a good intention. If you go into the New Testament, there's so many other passages we can read. We don't have time. But the language of intimacy is is just spread throughout this love letter called Scripture. And Jesus introduces us to God, the Almighty God, the one, the only, as Ava, as Father. And even Father with a little child's dialect, Ava, Daddy. We can actually come to Him and speak to Him in this kind of familiar way. Knowing that he stands with his arms wide open. Every reason to turn against us and give up on us from our point of view, from a human point of view, and he transcends all of that. And he's inviting us into this intimate relationship with our Ava, with our Daddy, with our Father. And Jesus says later on from John chapter 15, he says, Abide in me to his disciples. Come close. Come closer. Let your guard down. Stay with me. Take from me all that you need. I have living water for you. I have the bread that that never goes stale. I have a love that never ends. He's inviting us into intimacy. Why are you resisting? Why am I paying attention to somebody else's offer when in fact it all begins here and anything that is worth anything in this world, this is the source of the love that I am looking for. You know, we talk about people who are looking for love in all the wrong places. Yes, they are. Yes, we are. And we often do. But nobody should ever be shamed because they are looking for love. Because you were born for that. 
You were designed to look for love and to find it in God's love and all that that means. But it begins there, and it begins with that relationship. Later on in the book of Hebrews, it talks about our high priest, Jesus, who brings God's love very up close and very personal to us. And he comes close to us. And he went through everything that you have gone through. He experienced every temptation, the book of Hebrews says. You can't be in an intimate relationship with somebody you can't relate to. Someone who doesn't understand your circumstances and your difficulties and your challenges. It's hard to be intimate with somebody who is alien. And so God sends his son to take on our flesh and to experience weakness and limitation and temptation yet without sin. Which means he experienced it for a longer period of time than you do. Because when I get tempted, I usually hold out for a few seconds or a few minutes if I'm having a good day. And Jesus held out to the bitter end, so he understands temptation better than you do. Because he refused to give in. Because he lived according to his Father's will completely, so that he could be the one who was complete, the one and only who is complete, the one and only who is mature, and then give us this completeness. Give us this justification that we can't find on our own. And then, of course, if you go to the very end of uh, the New Testament, you get to 1 Peter, for example, and it talks about all the cares that you have, the things that you dare not speak of, and wonder if anybody would be, ever be interested in And he says, cast those on me. Cast those on God. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. We're back to that simple declaration. You can afford to be intimate with the one who totally and fully and unconditionally cares for you. So let me close with this suggestion. How do you cultivate, how do you experience intimacy with God? The scripture makes it as inviting, as appealing as possible. First of all, we all have an intuition that that's what we want, that's what we need. We all have fears, we all have reservations, we all have inhibitions about actually going there. So how do you do it? How do you do it? It begins with gratitude. It begins with gratitude. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, it's always good to Start at the beginning if you're talking about foundations. In Genesis chapter 1, God creates. And God creates mankind. And mankind, humankind, is male and female. Very specifically noted. And God looks at the crown of his creation. Yes, the crown of his creation and says, this is very good. Everything else he calls good. But at the end of chapter 1, he calls his human creation, he calls you and me very good. There's something very special. Those of us among all of creation unique in that we are created in the image of God. And there are so many implications to that. What does it mean to be in the image of God? Oh, it means that we're creative. It means that we're relational. It means that we're responsible. It means that we we were made to flourish And to have the very best that God has created and to take full advantage of that and to praise him for it and to share that, to extend that and to bless other people because of that. 
But how do we experience intimacy with God? I'd like you to take note of this because I want, to, I want this to become homework for all of us. This is only a morning message. If this is only a quick dip into the word, I don't know how much it is worth. It might even inoculate us against the truth of it. But if you take it, if you ponder it, if you consider it, if you reflect on it, if you even write it down, some of your thoughts and response, and if you share it with other people, I think it'll have a lot of power. I think it, it does begin with, with gratitude. Live overwhelmed. Many of us live underwhelmed. We live guarded. We live keeping it all close to the chest. We live not expressing what it is truly we're feeling, what it is truly we're believing, what it is truly we're dreaming about. Live overwhelmed. A week in Kauai wouldn't hurt, by the way. That's your, that's your first assignment, okay? Book the trip. Live overwhelmed with the goodness of God and make note of that and make note of the details of that. I mean, even sitting here in this courtyard, there's so much to be thankful for. And being away for a couple of weeks as I have been, I come back kind of overwhelmed. You know, I meet Hannah first when I walk in. And uh, I get this big smile from Hannah. And I get this big hug from Hannah. Don't ever take that kind of hug for granted. And I don't. And I felt welcomed. And other people welcoming me and greeting me. And little kids saying hello to me. And are you finally done? And the sun shining. And a little breeze, you know, flowing. And a tree that covers half the congregation. And... And the food that's coming and the people you're sitting next to live overwhelmed by that. You're not entitled to that. It's a gift. It's all a gift. And enjoy that. That will increase your sense of intimacy with God. You mean for me? The Napali Coast. For me? A beautiful wife for 42 years. For me? I don't, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this at all. Um... And on and on. A son who wants me to be there because he's in a crisis. There are sons who send their fathers away when there's a crisis. There's a son whose father is the crisis. To live overwhelmed. And secondly, to live cultivating this heart connection with God. Um, In conversation with God. Start the conversation. Somebody said prayer. This whole sermon has been delivered already by various kids with all of their marvelous insights because they're so innocent. They, they know what the answer is. Even before I asked about the source of love, they said, God, I couldn't talk them out of it. I kept saying, who are the people who love you? God. And God is a person and God is the source and God gives his love to the people who can love each other. That's where families come from. We don't make it up by ourselves. So keep a conversation going with God. Tell him what you're thinking, what you're feeling, how you're grateful, what you need. How do you have an intimate relationship without constant communication? You say, well, I'm not sure I'm schooled in prayer. Don't worry about that. Just speak from your heart. That's all God wants, to know who you are, where you are at that moment. Join his conspiracy. God's got projects going on all over the place where he's taking care of the needs of people. 
And you get to be a part of that. You want to experience intimacy with God, you join a project. The riskier, the better. The more costly, the better. Spend time with little kids, loving on little kids. Go over to the public school. Be part of uh, kids zone on a kids club on a Wednesday. Uh, be involved with, with needs where you work. Who is that person who is most lonely, most out of it, most fearful, has lost something, is worried about their health? Spend time serving them, caring for them, encouraging them. You're working with God. God is right there. God will feel very, very close to you. You will grow by serving. You will grow by giving. You're not growing. You're probably not giving. You're not sensing intimacy with God. You're probably not part of God's project. It's happening all over the place. You need some ideas? Talk to somebody who seems to know something about these projects. Practice unconditional trust. Now, there's a strange phrase. Unconditional trust. You don't dare do that on a human level with anybody, not even with your spouse. There's no such thing as absolute trustworthiness on a human level. Your spouse will disappoint you. Your best friend will let you down. But God, you can trust unconditionally. And even when you think, I don't think I can. I don't think God is paying attention. I think he's let something happen that was sort of, uh, I think he missed it. Do something very defiant. Practice a defiant faith and say, I'm going to trust him anyway. Though he slay me, Job said, yet I will trust him. I don't understand what he's doing right now, but he's working something through. It's beyond me to figure it out. I'm going to trust him. You start trusting God like that, and you will build an intimate relationship with him because you'll see him doing things. That if you had given up, you wouldn't have seen. And everything is based on your ability to trust. God God is delighted when we believe him and trust him. And of course, it's difficult for us to do. And so we live a lot in hesitation. And that hesitation sometimes becomes paralysis. And then we miss this relationship. And finally, live in solidarity with others, meaning this. Share your experience of your relationship with God with other people. Is there somebody, a confidant, or even a casual friend and say, yeah, we talk about God sometimes. We talk about what's going on. I mean, I mean the hard things as well. Here's my struggle. Do you have somebody where you can do that? Do you have a small group where that can happen? Because your experience with God helps me understand and relate to him. My experience can be a gift to you. So all of these ways become opportunities for us to develop our intimacy with God. I assume you're interested in that. I assume you're here because whatever doubts you have, whatever concerns you have, you're going after that. And even if you need to be renewed in your quest, I hope that you are. By hearing the language of intimacy in Scripture... And by thinking through what some of these challenges might mean for you, what you actually might do with this. And so I'm going to ask you as we close, in this next week, would you write down some of your thoughts? How are you experiencing intimacy with God? Just write down some thoughts about that. How are you experiencing intimacy with God? Secondly, what's interfering with your relationship with God? What what cuts into it? And you might have to take some time to really sort of settle and soak on that thought. For a moment. And then thirdly, is there anything you've heard from the word or from this message today, anything that you're getting right now that you can put into practice?
that you can actually do. And you say, I think that helps. I think I'm going to try that. I think one of those ideas might work for me. I think I'm missing something. Would you write that down? Think about that. Let's pray.